0: Welcome to the Lineage Church Podcast. This is Pastor Benjamin, and I am delighted that you have decided to join us today. We have listeners from all over the world, and I'm so encouraged when I hear from them. And if I haven't heard from you before, if you and I have not met or made each other's acquaintance, would you do me a favor and just send me an email at pb lineage.us. Just let me know where you're listening from, how long you've been listening, and what prayer requests you might have. I'd love to pray for you and love to hear from you as well. So in today's message, I began with an illustration regarding hyung Min son, the famous soccer player that my wife has been raving about for some time. The message got a little cut off at the beginning, but when we start, I'm talking about watching highlight reels of him driving the ball up the field, surrounded by many adversaries, and what happens just before he's about to shoot for the goal. Hope you enjoy. God bless you. Many blessings, much love. Speak to you soon. He's running and kicking the ball through multiple defenders from one side of the field to the other side of the field. He's running and kicking like a wild man. But when it's time to shoot, you see him slow down. Almost go into slow motion. You see him pause, aim, and then fire. And when he fires, sometimes the shot is very soft. He, he, he ran and kicked like a wild man up the field and then he barely kicked the ball with the side of his foot or the back of his foot or, or whatever. I mean, he, he does like crazy shots, but sometimes when he fires, it's real soft. And other times, it's real strong. And other times, he puts spin on the ball so it starts out that way and it makes a left turn and nobody knows where it's going. It's crazy. But he has that ability to slow down Just before he's going to shoot, you see him slow down, aim, and fire. And I thought, that's the mark of a world-class athlete. You see it in every sport. You watch Steph Curry, right? Watch him when he's getting ready to fire a three-pointer. He's running like a wild man, and he's faking and dribbling. But all of a sudden, he slows down. And he's completely relaxed in the moment of the shot. When the shot's ready, he slows down. The word of the Lord to you today is that you've got to slow down if you're going to hit the goal. You see, some of us are missing the goal because we run up the field like a wild man and then kick like a wild man. My wife used to tell me this as a preacher. I used to ask her, She's, you know, I told you she's my mentor and my tormentor. <laughs> and I would ask her, So what would you think of today's sermon? In my head, I'm thinking it was awesome. And she's like, you kicked the ball all the way up the field, but you didn't put it in the goal. Ouch. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) What are you talking about? She's like, you didn't hit the mark. You didn't hit the goal. Now you watch Hyungmin's son. What's very clear is that he has a very particular goal that he's trying to hit. When he's dribbling the ball up the field and when he's aiming at a specific place in the goal to kick the ball, his goal is not to get the people in the crowd to love him. His goal is not to get a bigger cheer from the crowd. His goal is not to win the respect of the members of the other team. His goal is not to get the members of his team to trust him. His goal is not to get more money in his next contract. His goal is not to extend his fame. His goal is not to win an award. His goal is to put that ball in that net. That's his only goal in the moment. But he knows that if he can put that ball in that net, the people in the crowd will love him. If he can put that ball in that net, the members of his team will trust him. If he can put that ball in that net, the members of the other team will respect him. If he can put that ball in that net, he'll get a bigger contract next time. All of those things are subsequent. They are afterward. They, are, they come out. They are a byproduct of his primary goal. And if he were to, to forsake his primary goal, to focus on the secondary goals, he would lose all of them. This is how many of us live our lives. We're in an arena, but we're shooting at the wrong goal, and we don't know it. There was a scene where some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law were questioning Jesus, and they asked him, what is the greatest commandment of the law? You must understand that in the minds of these Pharisees and teachers of the law, Obeying the law was their number one concern, their number one priority. But when they asked, what is the greatest commandment of the law, they were saying, living according to the law is my number one priority, but I want to know what the number one priority of the number one priority is. That is, I'm in the arena, the law is the arena, I want to know what is the goal. And Jesus said, simple, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength but there's one more command the second one is like it love your neighbor as you love yourself jesus says the goal is to love god and love others that's the goal when jesus says this what he's not he's not making a religious statement He's not saying the goal of your spiritual life is to love God and love others. Because many of us, we think like Platonists. We, we've been so immersed in Greek philosophy that we think more like Plato than like Jesus. We've separated our spiritual life and our natural life. We've separated our spiritual, church, religious life from our everyday life. And we think the goal of my spiritual life is to love God and love others. But the goal of my natural life is to make more money. To be more respected by the people at work. And to get a better job. A higher paying job. Become an entrepreneur. Get a, a promotion. Jesus no, 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 no. This is the goal of your life. Not your spiritual life. Your life. It's the goal of your spiritual life, your relational life, your educational life, your vocational life, your physical life, your family life. These, this is your relationship goals. These are your money goals. These are your business goals. In every area of life, the goal is to love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the goal. That's the goal. And in order to hit that goal, you got to slow down. you got to slow down. Because all of us find ourselves kicking the ball wildly up the field like a wild man. That's part of life, too. You can't avoid that. Sometimes you have to run like a wild man. Why? Because having many, I mean, you see him, that Puskas goal where there's like 12 people around him trying to take the ball. In front, to the side, to the other side, to the side, in the back, and I mean, in, in every there's a circumference of defenders around him trying to stop him, and he's got to dribble, and he's got to run, and he's got to kick, and he's got to run, and all of us have to do that. You don't live your entire life in slow motion. You've got to run and kick like a wild man. You just have to slow down before you aim at the goal. <laughs> You've got to know how to slow your roll in the moment before you respond to somebody. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm kicking the ball up the field like a wild man, that tends to kind of give me an excuse for not slowing down. Because you know how much pressure I was under? Do you know how many people are around me? Do you know how much opposition I'm facing? Do you know how many problems? Do you know how many bills I've got? Jesus says, the goal of your life is love. That's simple, right? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. The Apostle Paul. I memorized this when I was in the 8th grade. Though I speak with the... T- I memorized it in the King James Version, though. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Let me tell you what Paul was saying. Can I show you what Paul is saying? He says, if I speak with the tongues of men, the tongues of men, that's the languages of the earth. The tongues of angels, that's the language of heaven. Paul says, I can speak every language on earth and I can speak the heavenly language. I can speak every... Right? I can have a casa and a condo but I don't have love I'm just a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal this is me without love I'm speaking every language in heaven and on earth and this is all you hear <laughs> Well, how'd that gets in and out of there? <laughs> Rather uncomfortable, right? Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but don't have love, I might as well just start crashing gongs and cymbals because that's all I am. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all wisdom and all knowledge, but I don't have love, I might as well not even exist. If I give my body to be burned and surrender my goods to feed the poor but don't have love, It doesn't profit me anything, Paul says. It profits me zilch, nada, zero. Which means that what God is looking for is not even my sacrifice. He's looking for my love. He's not looking for my knowledge. He's looking for my love. He's not looking for my gifts, skills, or abilities. He's looking for my love. Love is the goal. Now, I want you to see the the target, if you can put that target up on the board. Because Jesus actually explains what it means. Oh, can you put it on my board too so I can see it up there? You know how a target has concentric circles, right? It's, It's not just the center of the target. You can hit the target and you need to be able to hit the target in every location. The center of the target, love God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. That's the heart. That's the core. That's the center of the target. But then, Jesus says in John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. What's the one another? One another, those are the people in your circle. The members of your family. Your friend group. The members of your church, the members of your community group, the people you go to school with, your coworkers, like loving one another means loving people who are in your circle of relationships, in your circle of connections. That's the one another. But then Jesus takes it a step further in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. He says, you got to love your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor. And then somebody made the mistake of asking him, who's my neighbor? so he told a parable there was a man who came down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he fell among thieves they beat him they robbed him, they left him for dead but a priest came walking down the road saw the man and crossed the street to the other side went on his way a Levite came down the road, saw the man crossed to the other side went on his way, translation I don't know him, his problem ain't got nothing to do with me Somebody else better help him. Ain't nobody got time for that. But then a Samaritan. Now he's got everybody's attention. Because in the mind of the Jews of the first century, the Samaritans were the outcasts. Not only outcast by Israel, but outcast by God. The good Samaritan. If Jesus were to tell this story today, he might tell the parable of the good homosexual. How that hit with some of us, that's how it hit when Jesus told the parable. It was as if he were saying, someone whose lifestyle is not congruent to what you and I believe is God's lifestyle, it can actually show more love than you love. The Samaritan saw the man... And had mercy on him. Put him on his own donkey. Took him to an inn. Poured oil in his wounds. Bandaged him up. Paid the fees. And then went to the innkeeper and said, I'm paying for his room, for his food, for his medicine. And if he incurs more than this, I'll come back and pay you more. And he went on his way. And then Jesus said, which one of these men was a neighbor? to the man in the ditch. They said, the Samaritan. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. The neighbor is outside of your circle. Your neighbor is not necessarily somebody you hate. It's just somebody you don't know. You don't have any ill will towards your neighbor. It's just, I don't know you. Jesus says, love Your neighbor. But he takes it even further. Jesus gets crazy with it. Because in Matthew 5.44, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. In Luke's version, he says, pray for your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who persecute you. So you shall be sons to your Father in heaven who sends his rain both on the just and on the unjust. The NIV says, he's kind to both the just and the wicked. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. I'm talking about The folks who want to destroy you. See, we don't don't really understand what an enemy is. There's a difference between an enemy and an adversary. An adversary is just somebody who's in competition with you. But an enemy, that's somebody who literally wants to destroy you. This is not friendly competition. This is a game of death. Jesus says, yeah, love your enemies. Love them too. exactly what's it mean to love back to First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 love is patient love is kind we can stop there When I lose my patience, it's one thing for me to wait on the Lord, but wait it on you? (laughs) I can wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But when I'm waiting on my daughter, (laughs) like this morning, I'm in the car. We gots to go. We got shift. But love is patient. And then love is kind. And those two go together because if I lose my patience, I've also lost my kindness. Which means even if I'm speaking to my enemy, I should be patient and kind. Which means when Jesus says, love God, love one another, love your neighbor, love your enemies, he means that I should be patient and kind with everyone. That is my responsibility before God. That is the mark. And in order to do that, I've got to slow down before I kick. If I keep running like a wild man, I'm going to miss the mark. I might get the job done, but I won't hit the goal. And last night, I missed the goal. Pretty big. Because all day long I was trying to please my wife and I was trying to please my daughter and I was still trying to prepare to preach this sermon today and I had to come here for the men's meeting and then I was trying to set up some videos for the tech team which I couldn't get done and then I went home to try to meet my wife and I had to feed my daughter and then I had to take my daughter and go pick up my wife and then we had to drive out to Palo Alto which from Concord is like a six day journey. And then we came home and forgot my wife's car in Dublin. So we had to drive all the way back to Dublin from Concord to get her car. Meanwhile, I promised my daughter I would buy her this movie on iTunes. So I got my phone. I got iTunes out. And on the road, I put the Tesla in autopilot so I could buy this movie for my daughter. And then when I get home, she asked me to make her some Joppa so she can watch the movie. So I'm making the Joppa My wife reminded me I got to send out an email. So while the Joppa cooking, I'm in there trying to send the email. It's, It's almost 10 p.m. I still haven't started preparing. Hearing my sermon. And guess who had an attitude when I burned the Joppa Getty? <laughs> and I had had enough. I said, you know what? I hate to even tell you what I said to her. I said, I am not your slave. All day long, I've been trying to please you and your mother. I am not your slave. And then I said, let me stop. I heard heard the tone of my own voice, and I heard the words that were coming out of my mouth. I said, "Uh uh-oh. That ain't going to go well. (laughs) Now here come the waterworks. Torrential. Torrential torrential waterworks. She wept bitterly, like Sarah weeping for her children. (laughs) I went in the kitchen at first, I felt righteous. Because what I said was actually right. (laughs) I am not your slave. (laughs) Reminded me of... When I was young, my mother used to say, y'all ninjas is not going to kill me. But she didn't say ninjas. <laughs> y'all ain't killing me. I'm on strike. She used to go on strike from time to time. I'm done. And I'm standing there over the second pot of Joppa Getty. You know what Joppa, get? most of you don't know what Joppa Getty is. It's a Korean, it's a Koreanized, it's a Korean dish. It's a Korean. <laughs> Noodles. And I realized what I said was right, but my heart wasn't. So I missed the goal. So when I missed the goal, how do I get back in play and hit the goal? this is the beautiful thing. Is that on the soccer field, you miss the goal, you may not get another chance. But when I miss the goal, I can actually get another chance right now. It's called repentance. Confession. So I went and sat down with my daughter. said, Daddy, sorry. Daddy's been having a really hard day and Daddy just took it out on you. You didn't deserve that. And I'm thinking, what I said was right. We're going to talk about that later. But we're going to talk about it in a loving way. Why is it so hard? It'd be so awesome if I could just operate in love 100% of the time. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know who was like that? Jesus, even with nails in his hands and feet, he's up on the cross going, Father, forgive them. If it was me, I'd have been up there going, I do not deserve this. (laughs) How many of y'all did I heal? I'd have been calling them out in the crowd. You, you don't remember you were lame when you came to me? Now you came walking up here. You yell and crucify him when you were mute and I made you speak. And you used the voice I gave you to scream crucify. You know what? My daddy, when he hears about this, is going to kill all of y'all. <laughs> that would have been me. Actually, I wouldn't have even made it to the cross. I would have just started striking, I would have started smiting them. The minute the first soldier spit in my face, that's it. They all would have died. I would have called down 10,000 legions. Of, that's it, Jesus. Remember he said, I could call down 10,000 legions of angels if I wanted to. I would have did it. <laughs> that's it. Call down the angels. Kill them all. <laughs> he operated in love to the very end. Even to the ones who nailed him to the cross. He says, Father, forgive. don't know what they're doing. Which actually doesn't make sense because they knew exactly what they were doing. They were professional crucifiers. What Jesus was saying is they don't understand the eternal significance of what they just did. So Father, You know what Jesus did? Even on the cross, with the whole world looking at him, gawking at him, staring at him, yelling at him, jeering at him, even on the cross with his hands nailed and his feet nailed, he slows down, takes aim. He still sees the target is still here, and I don't need my hands and feet to kick the ball into the target. I'm going to hit this goal. You know what the goal is? I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and all these people here who put me here, I'm going to love them the same way I love myself. Love requires faith, but it also creates faith. Operating in love requires me to fully believe that God's already worked out my success. Operating in love means that God has already worked out my vindication, my justice. It's already done. and love to the very end. And there's almost nothing so powerful as the kind of love that says, even if you bite me, I'm going to love you. The kind of love that says, if there's a problem between us, it's going to be your problem alone because I will not have a problem with you. I'm just going to love you. this is where 1st Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8 hits us right in the heart. Jesus says, love never fails. If our priority is love, we never fail. We never fail. Even if the live stream fails, Love doesn't fail. If all you heard was three minutes of my talk, if you felt loved during that three minutes of my talk, I didn't fail. Even if I forgot all the scriptures, even if I couldn't put it together right, if I showed you the love of Jesus, I didn't fail. And when you go to work on Monday morning, even if you didn't get the job done right, and even if your boss is not pleased, and even if you've got 8 coworkers around you who want to get you fired, if you can simply show them all love, you didn't fail. If you can love your boss, you haven't failed if you can love your coworkers you haven't failed and even if you go home and your wife is constantly bickering and 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 and, and, and uh, let me get off of this right now <laughs> let me just, it's dangerous. <laughs> let me just stop this because <laughs> that ain't my wife <laughs> I'm not talking about my wife I'm talking about somebody else's wife <laughs> The reason I use that example is because in marriage it's so key, isn't it? Well, she's not being loving to me. Yeah. That's like Min's son kicking the ball up the field, and he's like, "Well, they weren't letting me kick the ball." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're complaining because you got defenders that are crowding around you, trying to stop you from putting the ball in there. That's life. Yeah. That's not an excuse. she wasn't nice to me. That's why I said what I said to her. Here is the discipline that all of us need to put into practice as Christians. I take responsibility for me, not you. Meaning if I say something wrong, if I do something wrong, if I act in a way that's less than loving, I take responsibility for that. I don't blame you for it. And say, well, I said that because you did this. I need to come back Humble myself and, and brothers and sisters, I have to do that. I still have to do that. I wish I could say, I'm like Paul. I'm not saying I've apprehended. <laughs> I do not count myself to have apprehended or have already become perfected. Now, I'm not there yet. but one thing I do, I forget what's behind me, which means that I don't beat myself up for my failures from yesterday. I'm not going to sit and dwell on, man, how could I have messed up so badly? I don't dwell on that. I reach for what's ahead, which means I've got a whole lifetime ahead of me that's filled with opportunities to show the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to reach for those opportunities, and I'm going to slow myself down and kick for the goal. Every relationship, every opportunity, every business, every educational endeavor, and everything I'm doing, I'm simply asking my question, how can I use this moment to show the most love to the most people? Isn't that what Jesus said? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest disciple? He said, you want to be great? Let me tell you who's the greatest among you. The one who serves the most people. That's the ethic of Jesus. Jesus. The most successful person serves out of a heart of love the greatest number of people. I'm simply looking for more people to serve, more people to love, more people to care for. Love is not an absence of truth. We simply learn how to speak the truth in love. That's how we grow up in all things into Him who is the head. Love is not an absence of conflict. It simply means we walk through that conflict with patience and kindness. Yeah, yeah, it. It's not an absence of rebuke. Sometimes we rebuke, but we rebuke in love. Especially as a parent, we've got to correct our children. We simply learn how to do it in love. Yeah. That's all. And at every place at which I fall short of that, mm-hmm. I pick myself up. Yeah. I receive the forgiveness of Jesus for me. Yeah. I go and confess and repent. And then I forget what's behind me. I reach for what's ahead. I press toward the mark of the high calling. But I got to know what the mark is. I got to know what the mark is because if I don't know what the mark is, I'm going to lament about the fact that I didn't get the raise that I wanted at my job. I'm going to lament about the fact that I didn't get the promotion that I wanted. I'm going to lament that I didn't get the house that I wanted to buy. I'm going to cry about the wrong things. That's not the mark. That's not the goal. I want things to be excellent. And I do, folks. I do. I want things to be excellent. <laughs> oh, so bad. But that's not the mark. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's not the mark. Yeah. Yeah. Love is the mark. Amen. Love Amen. is the mark. Yes. Do you trust him? Yeah. Last thing I'll say and then I'll close. I know I've been talking a long time, but there's a goal in your heart and I'm trying to hit it. Sometimes i got to slow down and aim for it. And this is it. What I learned a long time ago is that at every place in my mind and heart and in my life and in my behavior in which I discern a love deficit, yeah. I cannot fill that deficit by focusing my attention on becoming more loving. Do you hear me? I fill that deficit by receiving more love from God. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. We learn to love God and others the way a baby learns to love. I've told this story so many times when Aletheia was an infant, we would hold her and we would pat her. She needed to be padded. Some babies just need to be rocked. Alethea needed to be rocked and patted violently. That's how she felt love. Slap you know, And if I wouldn't slap her back hard enough, she would cry and cry and cry. And all of a sudden, at a certain point, I would get to that right, just right. And she would calm. Uh, and she would rest. And she would sleep. And if she cried again, we would pick her up and pat, 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 pat until she would rest and sleep. And I remember one day, she's probably a year and a half, somewhere around there, maybe a little younger. I picked her up one day. And I'm patting her on the back. And all of a sudden, with her hand around my shoulder, she starts patting me on the back. She's giving me back the love that I gave her. She loves me because I first loved her. That's all we can do for God is give him back the love that he gives us. But you got to let him pat you on the back. you got to let him take you in his arms and, and, and rock you and pat you and rub you. and rub. You can't love him unless you let him love you. And if you don't feel love for Him, it simply means you haven't opened your heart wide enough to receive love from Him. you got to start by opening your heart, saying, Jesus, come in and love me. I receive your love. I thank you that you love me with an everlasting love. Show me your love. The psalmist was not ashamed to pray that prayer. Lord, love me. Show the wonder of your great love, the psalmist said. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wing until the storm has passed. you know what the psalmist is saying? Please love me right now. If we would make that the primary prayer that we pray every day, please just love me right now. Father, wrap me in your arms. Love me right now. the, the really the only revelation that God could ever give you is that he loves you, and everything else is a sub-revelation under that primary revelation that he's loved you with an everlasting love, that before the foundations of the world, he has loved you. And that revelation just increases for us and increases for us and increases for us and increases for us and increases until we learn how to live in the love of God. This is the goal. You wake up in the morning, you're just surrounded by the love of God. I just feel loved. And I walk through my day just feeling loved. And I walk into a room full of people who hate me. It don't matter. I feel love coming from heaven. I don't even know that I'm hated. I just know that I'm loved. I can't feel it when you're mad at me. I just feel loved. And you might might hate me, but it doesn't matter because he loves me. He's jealous for me. And when I'm living in the grip of that love, I can't help but love you. I can't help but love you. If I tried not to love you, I'd accidentally love you. I would trip over myself and love you. (laughs) So, Father, today, this morning, we open our hearts to receive your love. Oh, love of God how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels song. Lord, I can say, I can testify today with 100% truth and 100% confidence that your love is patient and your love is kind. You've been so patient with me and you've been so kind to me Because if you ever would have rebuked me harshly, I would have ceased to exist. I never would have been able to recover from it. But instead, you've been patient. You've been kind. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your love was featured most prominently on the cross. Where you took to yourself the sum total of anguish and drank even the lees of that cup. Where you bore in your body the sin and the suffering of the entire world for all time and eternity. You did it because of love. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would manifest that love of Jesus that comes to us through the cross today. That decisions for Jesus would be made in this place today. That decisions would be made in hearts today the decision i'm going to live for this jesus i'm going to serve this jesus i'm going to walk with this jesus i'm going to trust this jesus with my life not for a day for a week for a month for a year but for my life that decision holy spirit only you can bring that about in a heart and i pray that you would bring it about in hearts today in jesus mighty name Amen. Amen.